0: to cover the last two pieces of the armament of god this morning as we're examining the book of ephesians ephesians chapter 6 is where we're going to be this morning raise your hand if you don't have a bible just turn to ephesians it goes matthew mark luke john acts romans first corinthians second corinthians galatians ephesians go eat popcorn yeah galatians ephesians philippians colossians Ephesians chapter 6, we stand for the reading of the word of the Lord, we sit for the word of the teacher, one we honor, the other we tolerate, so let's stand. Ephesians chapter 6, I'm just going to briefly read verse 13, and then we'll jump down to verse 17. Verse 13 says, therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, to stand, and then down to Ephesians six seventeen, and take the helmet of salvation. And the sword of the Spirit, which is what? The Word of God. God. Now turn over to Hebrews 4.12. It'll be to your right. Hebrews 4.12. For the Word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword piercing even to the division of the soul and the spirit and the joints and the marrow. And it is a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. I'll read that again. For the word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of the soul and spirit and of the joints and marrow. It is a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. So we're going to take a look at the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the Let's try that again. Sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. All right. Lord, we ask your blessing on the study this morning. And everyone's had an extra hour of sleep, so this service better be awake. And so, Lord, I ask your infusion of joy upon their lives as we undertake the excitement of seeing your living Word in action. May it absolutely transform us and cause us to come alive to that which is already alive, your Word. We praise you and thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Have a seat. Relax. The two items uh, that we're taking a look at in regards to the armor, we've done the belt of truth and and the breastplate of righteousness and uh, the, um, the the shoes of peace, and we've gone through each of these items, uh, the shield of faith, and now we're at the helmet of salvation, and we're also going to have the sword of the Spirit, which is the... Word of God. The sword of the Spirit, which is the... Word of God. Remember it, because it's going to be your role in the service today to keep you awake and keep you engaged and so as we look at these last two items of of the armament of God the helmet of salvation the sword of the spirit um, some people were hesitant to hug me uh, during our greeting time because they thought I was sick I'm not sick Uh, for those of you who come periodically you know that uh, the Sunday following a Saturday of football I'm always hoarse because I'm yelling at my son's football game and I it was a championship game yesterday and a playoff game and I yelled and so I'm not sick I'm just hoarse. And and as no he didn't win thanks for reminding me Ralph. And um <laughs> and and yet as you watch these football games one of the things that that is the key uh, equipment in any football team it, it carries their logo it's the thing that looks the coolest it's probably the most important piece of equipment that a player will have is his helmet. You don't wear the helmet, you're finished. Uh, anytime you see on a football game someone loses their helmet, you just cringe, just hoping nothing happens to them. You lose the helmet, and that is going to be a critical injury. It's going to be a mess. Uh, the residual problems that we have in football are concussions when the head has been affected, and the mind and the intellect, Parkinson sets in. You look at Muhammad Ali, and, and from all the blows he took uh, as a boxer to the head, it's affected him. And now our NFL players are starting to see that. And these concussions, um, if, if a boy is playing football or any type of contact sport and gets a concussion, by the time that, that there's maybe a second concussion, you typically pull them out of that sport. Most, most doctors would say, just don't even engage in that. That's going to be long-term injury and be careful with that. The head must be protected. It's the key element. It's the key component to any base of equipment and for a soldier, the helmet was absolutely important. If you ever saw the movie Saving Private Ryan, and they're up on the beaches of Normandy, a guy gets hit in the helmet with a bullet, and he's amazed that he's not dead. He takes the helmet off to look at the bullet, and then he's shot while he's taking the helmet off. It's terrible. Uh, they, they often said that happened quite often in, in combat. The helmet is a key piece of equipment that any soldier would wear. It also depicts the, the the uh, army from which you're from, from the forces of which you associate with, and the Romans would have that depiction. It would also depict the, the regiment that they're from. Uh, they would have the um, uh, emblem on their helmet as well. Even to this day, our military forces follow the same concept. And when we look at this, I, I, I want us to not go any further. I don't want us to go any further until we can, we can comprehend this and apply it to our lives. This is the most important piece of equipment of all that we've studied. Don't go anywhere without it. If you don't have it, you are in trouble. You are in danger. You are not. It, it, this isn't just going to be a temporary event that's going to affect you into your later stages in life. This has eternal consequences that if you do not put on this piece of equipment, you will be destroyed. Listen. Listen. This helmet, everyone must put it on. Do not leave this room without that equipment. When my kids go out to ride their bike, put your helmet on. I'm not saying that you own a helmet. I'm saying put the helmet on. A person who puts a helmet on as opposed to someone who owns one but doesn't wear it, you can tell them because one person has bandages all over their body and they're horizontal and the other one's vertical and doing well. Put your helmet on. This is serious. You're on this earth for this sole purpose to get this piece of equipment on your person. The helmet of salvation. That's why Jesus came. That's why he came. He knew we needed a Savior. Salvation. We're all dying in our sin, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Salvation is a common topic, and oftentimes you don't think you need to be saved you mock at the idea that someone needs to save me well you're drowning in sin it's appointed once for a man to die then judgment you will stand before god and give an accounting of your life whether you believe it or you don't believe it i've told the story oftentimes and it was when i was a lifeguard in san diego and i remember it was at the end of the evening and we were patrolling the beach and we were telling folks to move and there was this one area where we'd had a multiple multiple rescues during the day and the surf was big and it had this eddy underneath the the waves where the sand had kind of turned a, a little canal. And so when the surf would come in, it would form a rip current where it would just find the least place of resistance and the water would flow back out like a river and just drag the swimmers out in a rip current. We'd had a number of rescues in that area that day and we were keeping people away from that location. We had marked it. And and it was me and another lifeguard, and we'd had multiple rescues. We were cold. The fog was starting to roll in with the marine layer. We had the heater on in the jeep. We were finally just starting to get warm. We'd been in and out of the water all day. Our towels were soaking wet. We were miserable. And there was a group of folks that had been drinking, and they were out there, and they were you know waist deep, and they were wearing shirts while they were swimming. And to make matters worse, you know it was Coronado, California, San Diego, and they were wearing Raider shirts. And I was like, let <laughs> let them drown. That's how I felt. <laughs> Let them drown. Now, for you Raiders fans, you'll understand if it was reversed. You'd say, Chargers, let them drown. Okay, so just to give you an idea of how I was feeling. (laughs) (laughs) And so there they are in the water, and we're telling them to move 50 yards to the south, away from this. This is a dangerous area. And they give us the international sign of get lost. (laughs) Raiders outfits, international sign of get lost. I'm thinking again, drown. <laughs> I'm warm, you're cold, you're miserable, rip current coming, I see it, you're all morons, you drown. And sure enough, the waves came in, lifted them up, they couldn't quite touch, water started to suck them out, boom. And my friend turns to me, because I'm riding shotgun, he says, you gotta go, I go, I don't, I don't wanna go. He says, you gotta go. It's freezing out there. And, the, and by that time, the fog was coming, so I was oh, so upset. I pop the Peterson tube, put it across my chest. I'm going out there putting my fins on. I'm going, so stupid. And one of the guys just gets sucked out. A little heavy set, Raiders outfit, getting sucked out. <laughs> the others manage to get their footing, get back into shore. And they're like, whoa. And out goes their buddy. And I'm swimming out there. And he's doing this thing that we, we call the climbing the ladder, where he's trying to swim and he's getting nowhere. Just a little kind of. And, and I get out there and the guy's like purple. He looks like Barney and just because he's you know he's cold and he's panicking a little bit and i hear grab the tube let's get in and he goes i don't need your tube and all those buddies are on the shore laughing at him <laughs> and he sees him he's all afraid of him i don't need your tube now this i'm cold and i i can't go anywhere because of his pride The Lord's been waiting for centuries. and He's been waiting for the expanse of your life, for your pride to re- reside. You just don't know how in danger you are. And he just sits and waits. And he's patient and long-suffering. And I'm floating on that tube, and I'm not the Lord. I'm irritated. And this kid's just starting to scratch even more, and he's gasping. He swallows a little water. He's coughing. I'm watching the panic set in. And finally, in desperation, he's looking at his friends laughing on the shore, He's realizing his legs are cramping. He's coughing. He goes, "I I need the tube." <laughs> I looked at him and I said, "You say please." He goes, "What?" I said, "You say please." I've been out here, I knew you needed rescuing. You made me freeze to death. I've been in and out of this water all day. I know what I'm doing. I knew you were in trouble. We could have been in a long time ago, but you're more concerned with your friends on the shore than you are with the reality that you're drowning. You say, please. (laughs) Please. Here, hook him up, I bring him in. I wasn't a Christian then, by the way. (laughs) I bring him in, and his friends are laughing at him. He grabs his stuff and he says you know what you're not my friends this guy saved my life i was drowning he grabs his stuff and he goes to the car now salvation you guys don't think you need it our pride gets in the way i'm sorry i'm a self-made man what part of yourself did you make when you go to sleep at night who keeps your lungs moving and your heart beating You say, I made this with my hands. Who gave you your hands? You've rejected God and say that you've been created from some primordial soup and some cosmic accident, and you're the center of the universe, and you're a Nietzsche man because you just scream into the darkness and you have a will? Are you kidding me? You shake your fist at God like he owes you answers? You're drowning. You're a wretch. You're a sinner. Oh, pastor, don't go there. Why not? Sinner just means somebody who's not perfect. Is there anyone in the room perfect? We're all beggars showing other beggars where the food is. Christ is holding out a tube and you're floating going, I don't need you. You're concerned with all the world out there. You're enamored with their thoughts and their baubles and their trinkets and you're drowning in your sin and you're about to die you know i'm gonna live forever really everything's going south by gravity the cold sets in and the fall air and it just you have a knot you never knew you had before and life starts speeding up and the time is getting closer are you ready you have a helmet of salvation on have you grabbed the tube are you alive have you trusted in the only savior that's coming to get you satan's not going to save you he's on the shore laughing at you he comes to steal kill and destroy he's a roaring lion roaming about seeking whom he may devour listen sin sin is not bad because it's forbidden you think, oh, God's just screwing it all up. He's ruining everything because he says it's no good. And it is good. It's a lot of fun. He just, he just. it's bad only because it's forbidden. No. God forbids it because it is bad. It's going to kill you. You know how awful it is? What he wants to save you from? This world is evil. I went uh, to go see my sister on, was it Friday, I think? We had to finish going through my mother's belongings. And after we'd had the day doing that, I went out with my friend who, you know, he's a retired commander, Navy SEALs, and he works with high-profile targets and doing the targeting, and he's, he works with the Special Operations Warfare, and he does crazy stuff. And he said, one thing I can tell you, because you can find it on the internet, is it's called um, DNA mapping. He says, This is the newest threat that we're assessing terrorist activity, the DNA mapping, you know, the Human Genome Project? I go, Yeah. And as I'm sitting there, I'm drinking some water at the table. I'm putting down the glass, taking another sip, putting down the glass. Oh, that's good. And he says, um, This is a threat we have to assess. He says they're doing designer viruses where Secret Service now is responsible for when the president takes a sip, you got to take that cup and destroy it. Because on it are DNA from his lips. And they just map the DNA and do a designer drug looking at their DNA mapping and seeing what they're susceptible to. So they design the virus to affect just a common person as a cold itself someone goes to pick up a prescription as they're at the let's say harvard university they get their prescription or whatever it is they get infected with the virus it's a designer it creates a common cold in them gives a common cold to their local students who are in their class then the president of the united states comes to speak at harvard and this room is filled with people coughing and that one virus is designed to affect solely the president and he's taken out And so you guys are going, whoa, that's that's trippy. That's the world we live in. And that kind of technology, Satan can't wait. And the more we become brilliant in our mind, the more evil we become in the way that we design evil. And only if there is goodness and people who are moved by the Lord. And this one man is fighting for that purpose to keep this technology within the hands of those who honor God. There's a battle for this in the minds of man. And we're coming to a place where where the intensity and all the things that we're doing and we're looking at this. Satan is a roaring lion roaming about seeking who may devour. And it's all an attack on truth. And it's a battle in your mind and a battle for your mind. And I I have news for you this this week. Just this idea of of coming to this realization as the Lord asked me this specific question in relation to some of the things I'd experienced during the week. And also my friend as well who had brought up a website I'd looked at four months before and pulled it up and said, you were there. Oh, yes, I was. Oh, before you start wondering what kind of a pastor do you have, let me just ask you a question. Would you be able to live under that kind of scrutiny and survive if they came in and wanted to do an investigation of your life over the past 10 or 15 years, would you survive that scrutiny? They want to portray that in front of everybody, and you make a stand for the Lord, and your sins are going to be revealed before all mankind. You're going to be humiliated. Everyone. What does that tell us? It tells us that as you go through the scriptures and you think to yourself, God, what hope do I have? They can kill me with a virus. They've got got every place I've ever looked at already secured over the last four months. It goes even further back. Everything I've looked at, everything I've read, every phone call I've made, every text I've sent, it's all there. They know where you've been and what you've done. I was with uh, uh, Pastor Aloysius uh, from from Uganda. He's in my car, and and I, I, I hit OnStar to get directions, and he's like, where's that coming from? And then I tell the lady and all of a sudden the map shows up and it's tracking. He goes, they're watching us. I go, yeah. He goes, that's awful. He goes, but the good news is, so is God. Yes, he always has been. We've just discovered the technology. <laughs> and when you look at this and you think, God, if they see everything I do, The reality is, Lord, you've always seen everything I do. And here's the only word you can ask God for today. Mercy. You and I deserve damnation, separation from God for all eternity, for all of sin and fallen short of the glory of God, and we all deserve to drown. We're all wearing Raiders outfits. In charger country. We deserve to drown. That's no joke, that's reality. But God doesn't want to give us what we deserve. Not only does he extend to us mercy in the tube of salvation, but he extends to us grace, life and life more abundant. And we say, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. And that helmet of salvation will be applied to your life and you will be saved. You will be saved. You will be saved. I was thinking about the passage of scripture in Luke chapter 10. The 70 returned with joy, saying, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. And Jesus said to them, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. Behold, I give you the authority to trample on serpents and scorpions over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall by any means hurt you. Nevertheless, do not rejoice in this, that you can overcome a designer virus, but that the spirits are subject to you. Don't rejoice in that. Rejoice in this. That your names are written in the Lamb's book of life. Nobody in this room is going to win this battle against good and evil if you want to fight it in your flesh. This isn't a game. It's not about bigger buildings and filling the the pews with people and getting offerings. Those days are over. This is about serious discipleship. This is about debt-free living. This is about getting into the word of God. This is about living honest before men and before God. This is about living to a covenant that you made of marriage. This is about living without any addiction. This is about absolutely clinging to God in every way, shape, and form and raising your children in love and the admonition of the Lord. This is what it's about. That their names would be written in the Lamb's Book of Life and that we would battle against evil, that we would push back the gates of hell, that we would wear every piece of this armor. And it begins with the most important, and that's the helmet of salvation because when you have been purchased with the blood of God... You have, you are no longer your own. You are Christ. And he has saved you. You can't earn this salvation. It has nothing to do with you. You can only receive it in humility. That man couldn't save himself out in the ocean. I'm the only one who could have done it. He was a goner. I was his only hope for both of us getting out of there. He was dead. You're not going to save yourself. Ephesians 2, it makes it very simple. He says, for by grace you've been saved through faith, that not of yourselves, it is a gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. The only thing you can do when he's handing you the tube is grab it and praise him and thank him. Otherwise you will drown in your sin for all eternity. This this is a very, this is the most important question of life. What you do with Jesus. Don't leave this room without him. that's not a threat. That's a reality. You don't have the helmet. You can't play the game. You're done. You will be destroyed. You think, well, wait a minute, I've been getting away with this for so long. God's not even out there uh, i don't I don't buy this thing. He who dies with the most toys wins. It's all about my fun and my excitement. okay. Romans 2 says, do you despise the riches of his goodness, his forbearance and his long suffering, not knowing that the goodness of God is there to lead you to repentance? But in accordance with your hardness and your impenitent heart, heart, you are treasuring up for yourself wrath in the day of wrath and revelation of the righteous judgment of God who will render to each one according to his deeds. You know as well as I do, that our lives are filthy. You may have excused your sin. You may be able to justify your sin. But if we are going to scrutinize it and put it for everyone to see. You and I both know we won't survive that scrutiny. You know it as well as I do. This isn't a joke. This is real. We are wretches. You may be able to disguise yourself but everyone knows. And just like just like the pastor from Uganda He realizes they see everything. But God has already seen it. And he's given you provision for it. Put the helmet on. Be saved. When you put that helmet on, you can cry out, God have mercy on me. He will. But if you live according to the flesh, you will die. Romans 8. But if by the spirit you put to death the deeds of the flesh, you will live. God wants you to live. He wants me to live. He wants us all to live. And the beauty of this equipment, very important, is the scripture says. And all these things were more than conquerors through him who loved us. And when we think about what the enemy wants to do to us and how he wants to destroy us. Remember what Isaiah 54, 17 says. Listen, no weapon formed against you shall prosper. And every tongue which rises against you in judgment, you shall condemn. This is the heritage of the servants of the Lord and their righteousness is from me, says the Lord. See, when you receive salvation from God, his righteousness is put on your account. And the enemy can remind you of your past and all your failures. But the Bible says it's against God and God alone that we've sinned. And when he allows the world to expose our past, he does it for his glory. And the world will be condemned in their accusations of us because God has forgiven us. But he's only forgiven those who have reached out and grabbed the tube of salvation. You reject it, you drown. And you die under the condemnation because you are guilty and you know it. We're in a day and age where nobody's fooling anybody. I want to say one more thing in relation to the helmet of salvation and that's that Nicodemus this was an amazing guy he was probably well he was a pharisee and a ruler of the member of the Sanhedrin he was a member of the aristocratic family that had furnished the Hasmonean king Aristobulus the second with his ambassador to Pompeii he was exceptionally rich the Talmud indicates that he was one of the four richest men in Jerusalem and it says of Nicodemus he He would outrank, for the most part, all of us financially and in society as far as position. And he came to Jesus at night. And he says, we know that you're a teacher come from God. And Jesus says, you must be born again. You must be born of the Spirit. Nicodemus, you may be rich you may think that you have all the answers, but you're drowning in your sin and you're dying and you will spend eternity in hell apart from God unless you're saved. The Bible says, for God so loved the world in John three, which was his story with Nicodemus, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. Helmet of salvation. Most important piece of equipment you can put on today. Do not leave this place without it. The Bible says, if you believe in your heart and confess with your tongue, Jesus is Lord, you will be saved to the glory of the Father. You must be saved. You must be saved. There's no other name under heaven by which you must be saved but that of Jesus Christ. He's the one holding the tube. He's the one who paid the penalty. His body was broken. His blood was shed for the remission of your sins that you would be saved. And you receive that by faith. You reach out and you grab that. And you stay alive. Your name is written in the Lamb's book of life. You rejoice in that. And when you rejoice and you take his righteousness and you take his salvation and it's put on your account and the accusations come and they remind you of the website you saw four months ago or they show you the things you've done years before, you look at them and you say, yes, this is true. I did all of that, but God has forgiven me and he's the one to whom I've sinned against and you may do with it as you please. But however you try to attack me, there is no weapon fashioned against me that will prosper for his righteousness is on my account. And that's the heritage of the servants of the Lord, says God. We win. We put on a helmet of the winning team. And all of your past and all of your present belongs to him and and your future as well. And then we come to the realization of this final portion of the armament, and this is our offensive weapon. And all that we have here, we have an offensive weapon, and it's called the sword of the Spirit, which is the? And as we saw in Hebrews 4.12, it's a two-edged sword, which is what the Romans used. It's amazing. It was sharp on both sides, so when you stick it, it just separates and leaves a wound like you can't imagine. Romans knew what they were doing. The only thing that was of greater perfection was the triangular bayonet that was made in World War II because it was so hard to sew up, that triangular wound. The deeper you went, the wider it got. But this double-edged sword, you could go one way with it and pull it the other way, and you could sever a man. And you could swing this way and come back that way, and you'd be as effective in both directions. And the weapon was, was an instrument of death like you, you can't believe. And it would stick it to the enemy. And the Lord says that this word of God that he gave us is living and it's breathing and it's sharper than any two-edged sword. It's able to divide the thoughts and the intents of the heart. God's word comes in and it reveals all of our sin. It's the only book in the world where we don't read it. It reads us. We, we expose ourselves to it. God speaks to us and we repent of it and we cling to him. And the world has no accusation against us. We go through the battle And we cling to that word and every accusation of the enemy is put to death because God says, yes, you did do that sin, but my righteousness is on your account and there's no weapon fashioned against you that will stand. And you take that word of God and you vanquish the enemy and you push back the gates of hell. And the idea is you stand for truth and you become active in the combat and you wield that sword. The greatest insult you can give me as a pastor is to tell me that I made the word of God come alive there isn't a greater insult that you can say to me that I made the word of God come alive. That negates everything I teach. I don't make the word of God come alive. It is alive. It has always been alive. If anything, God caused me to come alive to his word. There's nothing that I add to this word that makes it significant. When God speaks, that settles it. We fall in love with it, we read it, and we absorb it. We're transformed by the renewing of our mind. Let the mind that was in Christ Jesus be in you. This word is so powerful. It's living, it's powerful, it's sharpening a two-edged sword. It pierces a division of the soul and the spirit, the joints and the marrow. It's a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. You can tell me what you're saying, but God's word discerns exactly what you're saying. And you know if you're a liar, because God's word will reveal that. We're children of the light, we're children of truth. We walk in the light. Colossians says, Therefore put to death the members which are on the earth, fornication, uncleanness, passion, evil desire, covetousness, idolatry. Because of these things, the wrath of God is coming upon the sons of disobedience in which you yourselves once walked when you lived in them. But now you yourselves are to put off all of these. Anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy language, don't lie to one another, since you've put off the old man with his deeds and have put on the new man who is renewed in knowledge according to the image of him who created him. Where there's neither Greek nor Jew, circumcised nor uncircumcised, Burian or Scythian, slave or free, but Christ is all and in all. The only way we're going to win this battle is to uh, cling to the Lord. In this sword... This this picture that we see which it says the sword of the spirit, which is the the word of God has to be wielded. You need to fall in love with it and apply it to your life. I'll close with this portion of scripture. Would you turn with me to first Samuel chapter fifteen? It's in the Old Testament. I love this story. First Samuel 15. Saul was king. Samuel was the prophet. The Lord sent Samuel to Saul, but it begins by saying, the Lord sent me to anoint you king over his people over Israel. Now therefore heed the what? Boy. Of the words of? The Lord. So it's God's word, yes? Yeah. Would you agree with that? Yeah. The voice of the words of the Lord of God? Of God? Yeah, let's read it just clearly. It says, "Now therefore, heed the voice of the words of the Lord." Now, what is the what is what is the word of God? What is the word of God? Sword. Just say a sword. What is the word of God? Sword. Word of God is a sword. two-edged sword. Yeah, but you can say sword. Word of God is a sword. amen. Get into it more. That's not good enough. Verse two. Thus says the Lord of hosts, I will punish Amalek for what he did to Israel, how he ambushed him on the way when he came out from Egypt. Uh, They were leaving Egypt and all of Amalek would come out and they would pray on the weak and the feeble and the elderly and they'd tear him apart and God hated that because he looks out for the widow and the orphan and Amalek was praying on the weakest of God's people. And so God is ready to bring judgment on this destroyer of God's people. Verse 3, he says through the word of the Lord, through Samuel, Now go and attack Amalek and utterly destroy all, everyone say all, all All that they have. Do not spare them, but kill both man, woman, infant, nursing child, ox, sheep, camel, and donkey. (whistles) (laughs) Scorched earth policy. Pastor, how could they kill a nursing infant? There are none righteous, no, not one. He knows. And for a world that's rejected God, a wretched sinner like you and me can't bring judgment on a holy God. He has a right to wipe us all out. And by the fact that they are part of this culture that destroys the innocent, he is destroying them. And so, God told Saul, kill them all. And I don't want anything they've ever ridden on or touched still existing on the face of the earth. That's the word of the Lord. Wipe it all out. So, Saul gathered the people together, verse 4, numbered them in Telium, 200, etc. Verse 5, Saul came to the city of Amalek and lay in wait in the valley then Saul said to the Kenites, go and part, go down. So they started to attack the Amalekites. Verse 7, Saul attacked the Amalekites from Havilah all the way to Shur, which is in the east of Egypt. He also took Agag, king of the Amalekites, alive and utterly destroyed all the people with the edge of the... But Saul and the people spared Agag and the best of the sheep, oxen, fatlings, lamb, all that was good, but were unwilling to utterly destroy them. But everything despised and worthless, they utterly destroyed. Did he obey God? Listen. You get tired of the intensity of the word of God and you want to go find a church that tickles your ears. That's a wrong reason to leave. Now, if you're called to serve in another church, even if it's a church that tickles the ears and you've been called to be a part of that, to lead them into a deeper relationship with the Lord, that's a good reason to leave. But don't leave because it's too hard. Every How many people believe that the entire word of God is inspired? Raise your hand. Who believes it to be the word of God? Every jot, every tittle, every T crossed, every I dotted. Raise your hand. So it's all to be obeyed. Do not be drunk of wine, but of the Holy Spirit. Well, yeah, that one's not my favorite. Have no debt but to love. Oh, yeah, that's that's not, I I don't like that. You know what? I'll tell you which one I'm really good at keeping. Thou shalt not eat bat meat. (laughs) I'm all over that one. I have never eaten bat meat. (laughs) Do not be an equally yoked, a believer and a non-believer. No missionary dating. we look at it and we think, I'll take what I want and get rid of what I don't. It doesn't work that way. You're Saul. The word of God is to be obeyed. Because if you don't apply it, whatever you don't kill will come back and kill you. Whatever you don't kill will come back and kill you. Whatever you're unwilling to put to death will destroy you in the end. And, and Saul doesn't do it. And he doesn't kill him. And what happens is, he says, I've done everything you've said. And Samuel says, what's the bleeding of the sheep I hear in my ears? He's like, I've done everything that you said I was supposed to do. And Samuel says, no, you haven't. Listen, your life betrays you. You know that this Christian walk has been a game for a long time. It needs to stop. It's all to be obeyed. This is not a game. It's our life. And Samuel says, Saul, let me show you how to do it. Samuel's in his late 80s. He's probably approaching 90. And he comes out. He says, bring Agag. And they bring Agag out. <laughs> let me tell you something. As your sword has made women and children dead and mothers childless, so shall your mother be. <laughs> and it says it it says it Samuel in his nineties took the sword, which is the God. Read it, it says he hacked him to pieces. Agag. Whoop. <laughs> hacked him that's the script he hacked him to pieces and he looks at saul and he goes that's how you do it son and i I'll, i'll close with this as we go into communion Saul's in a battle for his life, Saul's in a battle for his life, and he ends up dying. A guy comes and brings word to David that Saul and Jonathan are dead. David inquires of the man who brought the word, and he says, um, how do you know that he's dead? And he said, well, I was on the battlefield, I'm an Amalekite, I was on the battlefield, Saul was mortally wounded, and he asked me to run him through with the spear and kill him, because he knew that the enemies would overtake him and molest him. And so I killed him. And I can imagine that. Years have passed. David is rising and his popularity is king. Saul is losing a battle, and as he's bleeding, wounded, and he can't kill himself, instead of repenting and calling out to God, he sees a man come forward and he says, "Kill me." And he says, "Who are you?" And he could imagine the man standing over Saul ready to run him through, and he says, "Saul, you want to know who I am? I'm an Amalekite." That is when evil comes back to haunt you. You don't put it to death, it will come and get you. The word of God is to be used. We live by it. We have the helmet of salvation. We have the word of God to vanquish the enemy of our soul. And Jesus is everything to us. He gave us the ability to withstand whatever the the future holds. And we don't need to be afraid because the scripture says we are more than conquerors in Christ Jesus. It has been secured. His body was broken. His blood was shed. That you and I would be saved. It's a battle for truth and we have the sword. Let's use it. Let's apply it to every area of our life. No more games. This is revival. war let's give it all to him come to communion and say God have mercy on me you knew about it long before the world did and I don't want Amalek coming back and running me through and laughing at my dying body as my life has been wasted I want to be on that hill and I want to be vanquishing the enemy not being run through by him I want my life to count for your glory Amalek's not going to run me through. I'm going to stick it to him. And I'm going to put that sin to death by the power of the word of God. For no temptation has seized you but that which is common to man. And when you're being tempted, God will give you a way out. Just take the sword and use it. No more messing around. Let's come to communion and receive the gift that he's given us. Grab the tube. You're saved. Go out. Take the sword. And let's put Amalek to death. Amen. Amen. I'll invite the worship team to come on up. As we're lowering the lights and getting ready for communion, I I just want to thank the Lord for his word.